Well, glory to God. Amen. This is the fifth Sunday, so we're having a family worship today. So we're expecting some of you adults to get up and go to the bathroom and some of you adults to get up and sneak out and whatever. Kids, try to behave and uh, make your parents behave, okay? If you're here and you're between kindergarten or, or whatever our earliest is, at five-year-old, five-year-old and up, would you stand up up through sixth grade there? If you're here and you're, you're in that age group, kids, stand up, okay? Wherever you are, okay? Hey, this is a great group, great group. We're going, to, we're going to teach the adults. Stay standing up, stay standing up. We're going to teach the adults a new song this morning, okay? Can you do that with me? It goes something like this. Y'all catch on. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. Do y'all know that rest of that chorus? And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my, down in my heart. Yes, I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Thank you guys, wonderful job. Would you turn quickly to Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4, we're in a series on overcoming the obstacles of life. The first week we looked at becoming steadfast. Last week it was don't worry, but some people need to worry. If you're here without Jesus Christ this morning, and you don't have a personal relationship with him, you ought to be the most worried person in this building right now, this morning. Uh, because Jesus could come at any time. And today we look in verses 4 and 5 of Philippians chapter 4. And we think I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Amen. Stand with me please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all sufficient word. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Father, thank you this morning. How blessed we are to be a part of this service. And I pray this morning your spirit would be real in this place. God, we're nothing, you're everything. Lord, we, we cannot supply the needs. We can't supply salvation. We can't supply healing. None of that comes from us, but all of it comes from you. And we stand this morning in the presence of an awesome God through the power of the Holy Spirit that can still heal and can still save and can still redeem. So we ask you to do your work, and may we obey in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Joy is commanded for the Christian. It's not an option. It is not a, a hope so, maybe so, but joy is commanded in the child of God. It was a main characteristic. My wife's on the front row. Lord, help me, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> After 46 years, praise the Lord. Oh, I, I'm going to pay for that one, I'll tell you what. It, uh, it just came out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. It, uh, it, uh, it was the joy of new Christians. That was their, their trademark. They received the word gladly. 
They had a characteristic of joy. They were baptized. They continued in the uh, doctrine of the apostles. And at the end of chapter 2 in the book of Acts, verses 46 and 47, you'll find that they accepted all of this with gladness of heart. It was joy that came to them. Joy is not like happiness. Happiness uh, is getting a new car, a new truck. And then it becomes unhappy when you park it at Walmart and somebody dings it. Amen? That's happiness. But joy, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. It always, 2 Corinthians 6.10 says, is sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Always rejoicing. Now let me give you four things here quickly. You guys, are, are we got any buzzword this morning? Where's Miss, uh, uh, who's over our children's ministry? Miss uh, Christy, are you in here? My, my, my. Do we have a vacation? I didn't know anything about it. Huh? Oh, she, in what? Oh, she was in the early service? I don't believe that. All right. We don't have any buzzwords for y'all this morning, huh? Y'all just regular sermon. All right, keep notes. All right, here we go. The first joy comes from knowing Jesus. Joy comes from knowing Jesus. He said rejoice, not in the things of the world, not in the things that we have, not in the things that are temporary. He said rejoice in the Lord. Now, what do you rejoice in the Lord about? Well, number one, I rejoice in the existence of God. Uh, they're the existence of God. You'll never win enough awards, never enough trophies, never enough plaques, never enough ribbons to ever get true joy because it doesn't come through those temporal things. Joy comes in the Lord. And the harder you try to have joy, what you're going to do is just be more, be more stressed out. I mean, you can, you can, it's the same thing about worry. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. I'm worried to death. You know, I'm, I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have joy. You just keep thinking positive. And along about 1230 in the afternoon, that positivity is going to turn to negativity because you cannot create joy yourself. Joy comes in the existence of God. It's not found in an emotional experience or a mystical experience. Our emotions are up and down. Hebrews 11:6 says this, Without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. The joy comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. It, his existence. There is a God. Now I know. Some of you young people and some of you children are getting ready to go up in it. And you're going to be in classes where they tell you that we came from a monkey or we came out of a, uh, some uh, rod out of some tree or something. Uh, that makes as much sense as me telling you I'm going to build a new home. I'm going to pile all the lumber out there. I'm going to pile all the cement, all the brick, all the uh, sheetrock and everything. I'm going to put a bomb under it. Boom! And now it's going to come a four-bedroom, three-bath, beautiful home. That makes as much sense. Listen, this world was created by God. And it was in hit. We got to rejoice in the fact that God. Second thing, I'm moving fast today, so stay with me. I rejoice in the character traits of God. The Bible says that God is all-powerful. We have a big word for that. It's called omnipotent. Did you know there's nothing God can't do? 
God can do anything. There's no fight that God cannot win. And when I think on the omnipotence of, of our God, I'm thinking that there's nothing tomorrow or next week or next year that cannot be handled by our God. He is all-powerful. But he's also not only all-powerful, he's all-present. He's everywhere all the time. Some of y'all think you got teachers that got eyes in the back of their head. God is everywhere all the time, all the time. Never, listen, he's in Texas, and right now he's in Kenya at the same time. Listen, don't tell nobody, but he's even in Louisiana. That's how big God is, amen? Amen. <laughs> That's how big God is. I want to tell you, he's everywhere. Now, some people think that, if God's got a big problem over here, there may be 75% of God over here in the Ukraine and Russia and that war there. That means there's just 25% of God over here. No, 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 no. All 100% of God is there. All 100% of God is here. That's the God we serve. I mean, he is everywhere all the time. That's why we can have peace. That's why we can be satisfied in our soul because God is everywhere. And then not only uh, all-present uh, uh, and, and uh, all-powerful, uh, but he's also all-knowing. He knows everything about you. Uh, Revelation, uh, in Revelation, I can't remember the chapter, it says his eyes are like fire. That means he can look in your brain. He can look in your heart. He can see what's going to happen to you a year down the road. He knows all of that. He is all-knowing. Our word for that is omniscience. And uh, the disciples, you remember one day, was, was arguing, and Jesus said, what are you all talking about? Oh, uh, nothing, Lord, nothing. And he said, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about who's going to sit on the left, who's going to sit on the right. You see, God knows everything. So if you're... If you're hiding sin, you go ahead and hide it from us. We don't need to know all about it. Rather not. But you're not going to hide it from God. God knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere. And he knows everything. Now listen. If he knows, you say, preacher, that's really beyond my comprehension. That is beyond mine too. But listen, if he knows, I don't know everything. But if I know someone who does know everything, I don't need to know everything. Because he knows everything. So I'm just being nosy and want to gossip if I want to know everything. He already knows everything. And I know the one who knows everything, so I don't have to know everything. I just have to follow his will. I'm rejoicing also in the salvation of the Lord. My, my, my. Sinners separated by a holy God. Our deserving is hell, and yet he gave his only begotten son. He, he, didn't, he didn't say, I'm going to give a world for y'all. He didn't say, I'm going to give a thousand stars for your salvation. He said, I'm going to send my only begotten son, my only son, and, and he's going to shed his blood and the judgment that you deserve and I deserve, he's going to take your place. We didn't seek him, he sought us. We couldn't climb up to where he was, so he came down to where we were. And when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and life, 
That nail-scarred hand of Jesus reached over and took your hand and my hand, and he reached over and took the hand of a holy God, and he brought our two hands together and put them together. It's called reconciliation. He reconciled us to a holy God. <laughs> now we're a child of God. We're, we have a heavenly Father, and it's all because of Jesus. I'm not rejoicing this morning in feelings or in a job or in humans. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. That's what he says. Because of his existence, because of his traits, because of his salvation, I'm rejoicing in the fellowship of Jesus. The second thing, though, that's here, that's obvious here in verse 4, joy is to be a constant experience. Now look at it. Rejoice in the Lord on the even days of the week. Mm. I mean, wouldn't that have been nice if he'd have said rejoice in the Lord on the even days? Now, you odd days, you can just go ahead and be mean as a snake. But he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Always. It's a continual attitude of the believer. Even in the midst of sorrow. Even in the midst of suffering. How in the world can we rejoice when life is so tough? It's that amazing grace of God. The gift that keeps on giving. It never stops. It can't be bought. It can't be earned. It's based on the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter this morning while you're sitting here what you're guilty of. If you'll come to Jesus Christ, the Bible says he'll wash your sins away. He'll separate them as far as the east is from the west. Never to remember them again. I used to say God was a God of the second chance. I preached that until I needed a third chance. And then a fourth chance. See, God's a God of another chance. I remember reading the story of the three men. They had a bag tied on the front of them and a bag tied on the back of them. And someone asked the first man, I said, well, what do you got in that bag? And he said, well, on the front here, I keep in my bag all the wrongs that I've done, all the sin I've committed, all the things I've done wrong. I keep them here in my front bag. And then the things that God has been pleased with, I put in my back bag. He said, man, isn't that a heavy load? He said, oh, yeah, sometimes it, it gets so heavy, I just kind of walk like this. And he went to the next man, and he said, what, what, what do you got in your bag? And he said, well, in the front bag, I keep all the things that God has blessed me with and all the things that are good. And in the back bag, I put all the things that I've done wrong and the sin, the things I didn't do that I should do and the things I did that I shouldn't do. And he says, sometimes it makes me walk just like this. My back hurts. And this third guy, he's just sailing like I nothing. I mean, he's just sailing along. He said, well, well, what's in your bag? And he said, well, in the front bag, I put all the things of God, all the things that are good. But in the back bag, I put all the things that are bad. He said, well, you're just like the second guy. He said, no, no. See, I cut the bottom out of my bag in the back. <laughs> And when, could I tell you this morning that God's cut the bottom out of your back bag? When you confess your sins, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful to forgive you. And not just forgive you, but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
have mercy. There, there's that grace, amazing grace. But it's also keeping grace. I'm not old holding on to him. He's holding on to me. That, that's a glorious thing. Romans 8 says nothing can separate us from the God, from, from the love of God. He's keeping us there. He's holding us on there. And then not only keeping grace and sustaining grace, it's strengthening grace. These disciples that he had, dumb as a sack of rocks. They'd never been to school. They were fishermen, old, burly, bearded fishermen. Never had a diploma. They didn't even have a notebook. And yet the people said, oh, wait a minute, when they speak, you can tell they've been with Jesus. See, that's discipling grace. That's strengthening grace. I, I don't know what your need is today. Or you, you remember when, when they were worried about what was going to happen, they wanted to grow. You remember what the Lord told them? He said, listen, when they come and take you before the judges and before all of the courts, he said, don't worry about what you're going to say. He said, I'm going to take those words and I'm going to drop them in your mouth. Don't worry about it. You're all right. See, that's the discipling and the strengthening grace of God. Samson struggled his whole life, continually struggled between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. I mean, his whole life was like that. Anybody here can agree with that? Anybody here have that problem? It's like the flesh is always there, and the spirit's telling us to do this, and the flesh wants us to do this. And finally, one day, Samson is laying with his head in the lap of Delilah, and he tells her what his strength is. He said, the strength is in my hair. And so... According to number six, it wasn't just that he was long-haired. It was that no razor would touch his head. That was a Nazarite vow. He said, the strength's in my hair. There had been many times before that he told her different things. You remember that story? And then he'd come back and he'd get up and whip all the Philistines again. And he'd go back and rest. But this time he told her the truth. The Bible said, it's one of the saddest scriptures in the entire Bible. He got up to go whip the Philistines again. But the Bible says he knew not that the Lord had left him. He goes out there and they drag him off like an animal. They gouge his eyes out. He's working down there at a mill in the milling there. And I don't know how long he's working. I, I don't have time this morning to put the correlation in there. But I believe he worked long enough that his hair began to grow out. And that was a sign of the repentance that Samson had. He's there without his eyes. He, he's been just treated like a dog. And they chain him up and they take him to the palace. And he asked someone at the palace, would you, would you just take my hand and place it upon a pillow? And he does. And he says, oh God, one more time. Would you just grant strength one more time? The Bible says that whole palace collapsed. And the Bible says that he killed more Philistines that day than he had all the rest of his life together. That's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Uh, it's also providing grace. 
David said, I've been young and I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. My God, the Lord, shall supply all my needs. How? According to his riches in glory. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I love Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When you begin to look at the Greek in that, what it says is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. There's not a thing we lack because our God is always powerful. He said always rejoice in the Lord. I love that word always because God is always the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'll be honest with you folks, like I was telling Scott, Andy Stanley or, or the Pope can come out and say that there's nothing wrong with homosexuality and all of this immorality and we need to accept them and let them be married in the church and let them have jobs in the church. They can say that till the, the, the moon sets. There is a reason. The Word of God is never changing. What was right 2,000 years ago is still right today. And it will be right next year if the Lord doesn't come back before then. You know, honestly, sitting in this room 40 years ago, we'd have had no trouble understanding this. We understood that the Bible was a standard for moral living. Now, it's gone. It's gone. It depends on your situation. It depends on how you feel. Our relationship to him is always the same. He doesn't kick his son out. Our fellowship can change, but that's our fault. Our fault. His relationship is always the same. You know, we, we go to work. We got ours. We go to work. And then you go to the grocery store. They got ours. You, you drive up. You know, you go to Walmart. You've been there. They close at 11. This dear, sweet little lady, you have 13 minutes left to shop before we close. You have third, uh, you know, I mean, they tell you in there, they're going to shut her down. You can't just go see the Queen of England when you want to. You can't see the President when you want to. You can't see the Governor of Texas when you want to. You can't even see most Baptist preachers when you want to without an appointment. But I'll tell you, my God, 24-7. Anytime you have need of him, you may be the only one up, but he's up. He's there. We have this idea that God is only interested in the big things of our life. No, 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 no. He said, bring your daily bread. You got a problem with your daily bread? Come on in here and talk to me. Come on and pray for it. God is interested in all of our lives, everything that we have. Wow. The Holy Spirit is always with us. He never changes. Always bearing witness of God. <laughs> I, I tell you, man, we, we, we mm, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I just want to tell you, you've got the spirits and the attitude of hatefulness, and you, you think you're the only one that knows what's right and wrong, and you think, man, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this undercover. You do all that you want to. According to Matthew 21, you're fixing to go to hell. Lord, we taught Sunday to we, we did miracles in your name. He said, depart from me, ye of iniquity. I never knew you. See, joy is a relationship of Jesus. 
And when you have that joy, you can't hate other Christians. You can't despise other Christians. Boy, we're so quick to judge, and we're so quick to want to run our mouth. Let me give you this third thing. Joy is a recommended experience. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul says, and again, I say, rejoice. Paul recommended it. You say, well, oh, Paul, he, you know, he's a man of God. Yeah, he's in jail right now. He's smelling raw sewage, and he's uh, in the muck, and the prisoners are moaning and groaning. You say, how do you rejoice? Because joy is not regulated by the circumstances. Joy is regulated by the relationship to Jesus Christ. And he still belongs to the Lord, even in the middle of this. Last church I was at, they're, they're kind of like y'all. They, they'll get happy every once in a while. I mean, if it's just the ceiling tile hits them or something, they'll shout and do something. I had a lady say, uh, Brother Charles, you know, you, 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 if you could just get all of these happy clappies and all the holy rollers and just kind of put them in one section over here of our church. And then the rest of us could go ahead and sleep. I mean, uh, worship the Lord. If you just get get that group over there we'll, we'll let them do it but let's try to keep them over there you know when they're scattered all around somebody shout scare the daylights out of you I mean why be a happy clappy when you can be a dead stump because the joy is the heart of worship worship is an overflowing of the joy in your heart that's why some of y'all ain't worshiped the Lord in a long time because that joy hadn't been in your heart. Joy is an overflowing of inobedience. It's not like, well, I gotta do what God said. No. When God tells us to do something, we got the joy of the Lord in here. We're excited to do it. We want to do it. It also prevents our return to past behavior. <laughs> I mean, here's a prodigal son. He's done left and he's done spent every dime he's got. He's done, committed every sin probably there is in the book. He's down to the place where he's in a pig pen, which is, mm, it don't get no worse for a Jew than that. And he says, he came to himself. And he said, I'm going to get up and go back to my daddy and just say, look, Dad, let me just uh, be one of your servants. You don't have to do anything, but just let me be one of your servants because they eat better than what I'm eating here. Of course, you know what happened. The Bible says that daddy saw him from afar off. He ran to him. He put a robe around him. He put a ring on his finger there. He said, let's kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party because my boy who was lost is now found. It's a joyful party. Now, let me ask you something. Why would you want to leave the joy of the Lord and go back to the liquor? Why, why would you want to leave the joy of the Lord and go back to the drugs? Why would you want to leave the joy of the Lord and go back to the lust that has enslaved you? And you say, oh, no, it don't bother me. No, it has enslaved you. Why would you want to go back to the sin when you're enjoying the joy of the Lord? You see, the joy keeps us from going back. And we can lose it. 
I mean, we can, we can be backslidden and slide back in there and we can enjoy the things of the world all over again. I just remind you that it's Jesus that gives joy. And at Woodland Hills Baptist Church, the happy hour ought not to be 4 to 7. It ought to be 24-7. Let me give you this last thing. I'm through. Joy is a visible experience. Look at verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, most of us, when we see that word moderation, the first thing we think of is he's talking about drinking. You can drink, but just drink in moderation. That's not what he's talking about. This word moderation is a Greek word that literally means uh, forbearance or big-heartedness, or you have a right to do something, but because of your gentleness, moderation, gentleness, you're not going to say that because it might hurt somebody else. You're going to be gentle. You can replace the word moderation with gentleness. Let your gentleness, uh, he said, be known unto all men. Now, joy radiates out of you. I rejoice in the Lord today. Why am I rejoicing in the Lord today? Well, look at verse 5. We're just, all we're doing is reading right out of the Bible because the Lord is at hand. What does that mean? That means he could come today. He could come today. Uh, we could stand before the Lord today. We don't have any promises of tomorrow. Paul said, I'm going to rejoice because the day might be the day that the Lord comes back. I love Psalm 51, David said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Huh. You may have some sin that has robbed you of the joy of your salvation. Now, I want to tell you, nobody knows what that is, but you ought to be the first one down this aisle to get to this altar and say, oh, God, forgive me. I want my joy back. It may be here that you've got a heartache. Something that's just tearing you up. It may be that you're mourning the loss of a loved one. And I'm telling you just simply this. God does not want you to live in a drudgery. Yeah, there's a time to weep. There's a time to mourn. But the Bible says there's a time to rejoice. Maybe you need to come and say, Lord, I've... Uh, this has gotten a hold of me, and I can't get it off my mind. But, Lord, greater is he that's in me, so I'm going to trust you to restore the joy of my salvation. Leonard Ravenhill said this. <laughs> Too many churches born in the fires of revival are content to live in the smoke. Let, let me tell you that again. You didn't get that. Too many churches born in the fires of revival are now content to live in the smoke folks i'm not content to live in the smoke <laughs> the new whoo the new testament you know how it begins it begins with the angels rejoicing over the birth of christ you know how it ends it ends with the church rejoicing that jesus has come back so I'm telling you from 
Matthew all the way over to Revelation, this ought to be the rejoicing place in all of the world right here in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we come in here, we ain't coming to a funeral. We're not coming to a mass. We're coming to a feast. You say, well, I don't get that from you. Well, read the book then. <laughs> this is where the feast is. It's on the Word of God. That's where the feast is. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Let me just close with this. A little girl had been to Sunday school. And uh, she had a lesson on the second coming. And she asked her mother. They'd gotten home from church and Mama was busy getting all the stuff ready for dinner and everything to put on the table. And, and the little girl said, Mama, do, do you believe that Jesus is coming again? And she said, well, yes, I believe Jesus is coming again. And she said, do, do you believe he could come today? And the mama said, yes, honey, he could come today. I believe he'll come today. She said, do you believe he'll come in the next few minutes? And she said, honey, he could come in the next few minutes. The little girl shot off to her room, got her comb, run back out and said, mama, comb my hair, I want to be ready. Whew. Let me ask you something this morning. <laughs> Ain't got a thing to do with me. Don't have a thing to do with Woodland Hills. Don't have a thing to do with your family. The simple question is this. Are you ready? Because I want to tell you, when that cloud opens up and that sky opens up and Jesus comes, there's not time to say, I'm sorry, honey, for what I said this morning. There's not time to say, oh, Lord, wait a minute, I need to do this. No, no, no. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be caught up. You say, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to get you to understand some common sense. Who in the world would trust their life with the devil when God says you can have eternity. Lord, thank you this morning. I ask you, Lord, to take the words and use them in the hearts and the lives of people today. Lord, we're, we just humbly seek your face. For those that need to repent, God, may this be a day. For those that need to maybe join this church, maybe they've been here a long time and they... They, they, they mean to do it. They just haven't done it. Lord, may this be their day. Lord, maybe today somebody just needs to be saved. And today they're going to forget about all the things around them. And they're going to trust you as their personal Savior. We're thankful for the ones that are going to be saved. And the decisions that are going to be made. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand as... We have our invitation. Don't wait on anybody. Just come on. Come God on. sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, to heal and forgive. He bled and died.